Lesson number 141, Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 1 to 10. Aisha radiallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu she said that the Messenger of Allah used to fast until we would say he does not want to break his fast. Meaning he would continue to fast one day after the other until we would think that he's not going to take a break at all. And then he would not fast until we would say he does not want to fast. Meaning many days would go by and he would not fast at all. And he used to recite Surah Bani Israel and Surah Az-Zumar every night. So Surah Al-Isra or Surah Bani Israel is one of those surahs that the Prophet ﷺ regularly recited. How regularly? How often, how frequently did he recite this surah? Every night. This is a sunnah of Rasulullah ﷺ. Surah Al-Isra is a Makki surah. It has 111 verses. And Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu He used to say about Surah Bani Israel, Surah Kahf, and Surah Maryam, Surah Taha, Surah Anbiya, about all of these Makki Surahs, Ibn Mas'ud would say that, إِنَّهُنَّ مِنَ الْعِتَاقِ الْأُوَلِ وَهُنَّ مِنْ تِلَادِي These Surahs are amongst my first earnings and my old property. And in fact, they are my old property. Meaning these Surahs are one of the first Surahs that I learned and they are like my old treasure. I've always had them. And notice that when you have something for a long time, your first earning, think about your first job, your first paycheck, and what you bought with that paycheck, you value it. It has a lot of value to it. You're attached to it. So he said, these surahs, they are like my old treasure. And Surah Bani Israel is one of those surahs. So this shows to us that Surah Isra is a Makki surah, and it was revealed towards the end of the Makki era. And you know that at the beginning of the Prophet ﷺ's prophethood, yes, there was opposition, but it wasn't that severe. But over time, the opposition, it became worse and worse. To the point that towards the end of the Meccan period, what happened was that it was not safe for the Prophet ﷺ to live even in Mecca. Already he had sent many Muslims out from Mecca, you know, to Abyssinia, not just once, but twice the Muslims migrated to Abyssinia. And then he had already sent Muslims to Medina also. So you can imagine what the state was in Mecca for the Prophet ﷺ. Now, just imagine, if you are living in a situation where you're not just suffering from financial problems, you're having a lot of social problems also, friends are turning into enemies, relatives are turning into enemies, your social circle is basically disintegrating, people who used to admire you are now attacking you, Imagine how much difficulty you would be living with. Each day was difficult. And in the midst of this great trial that was not seeming to end at all, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted the Prophet ﷺ with the blessing of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. A trip to Jerusalem and a trip to the heavens above. Why? Because when you're going through a tough time, a trip even if it's very short, is very, very refreshing. You get a nice break, and at the same time you get to learn so many things from the trip that you've taken. And the trip that the Prophet ﷺ took was where? To Jerusalem and to the skies above. Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. And when the Prophet ﷺ returned from Mi'raj, he returned with the gift of salah. The gift of salah.
Because that gift was not sent down. The Prophet ﷺ was called up to the heavens in order to receive that gift. In order to receive that command. And during this journey, during this trip, the Prophet ﷺ was made to see many, many amazing things also. So by seeing Jannah, by seeing Naur, by seeing Burak, by seeing Jerusalem, what happened was that his faith, it became even more stronger. And the thing is that when you are facing so much opposition, what you need is certainty and conviction. And with this trip, the Prophet ﷺ, he became stronger in his, in his yaqeen. So the surah begins, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi laylam min al-masjid al-harami ila al-masjid al-aqsa. Subhana, glorified, exalted is he. Perfect is he. Who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is he? Alladhi, the one who asra, he took by night. Asra is from the root letters, seen ra ya. From the word Isra. And Isra is to travel during the night. To travel at night. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Asra. He made to travel by night. Who? Bi'abdihi, his servant. Meaning during the night, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was taken for a trip. Laylan. Again, Layl is mentioned separately to emphasize that this trip Began in the night and ended in that same night. A very short trip. Laylan. Within one night. And this is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Subhana. Because Subhan, when we say Subhanallah, what does it mean essentially? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect. He is exalted. He is perfect. He is above any weakness, any deficiency. So Allah, He is ala kulli shay'in qadir. He can do anything that He wants. He can command anything that He wills. It is us, the creation, who suffer from weaknesses, who suffer from limitations. We are full of faults. We have many, many deficiencies. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanallah, He is perfect. He is above any limitation. So if He wants to take His servant in one night, from Mecca to Jerusalem and back, can he do that? Yes. If he wants to take his servant physically on a journey from the earth up to the sky, and not just the sky that we see, but above that also, and then back down from there in that same night, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala able to do that? Of course he is. Why? Because subhanallah, perfect is Allah. He is free from any deficiency. He is above any weakness. Allah is Al-Qadir. He is Al-Muqtadir. Who is Al-Qadir? The one who has Qudra. The one who is perfect in ability. How perfect is His ability? Just look at the creation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. Just think about the number, the adad, the number of creatures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. That itself just shows to us how powerful and able Allah Azza wa Jal is. Just look at the different types of creatures that Allah has created. Some high and tall, trees and mountains, above in the sky, 
clouds, and some they're just spread out on the floor, on the ground, grass, vegetation. It's amazing. Look at the colors, and look at the textures, and look at the abilities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created each creation with. What does that show? That Allah is al-khaliq, and everyone else is makhluq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one who is fully capable, and everyone else is weak before Him. So when we learn about the journey of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, realize that the one who took this messenger sallallahu alayhi wa on this trip was who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is no one like him. And Allah, He is فَعَالٌ لِمَا يُرِيدٌ He can execute His will. He can do whatever He wants. No one can stop Him. No one can avoid Him. And no one can run away from Him. So subhanalladhi. Because many times it happens that when the subject of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj is spoken about, we shy away. We think, oh, how is that even possible? Or non-Muslims, they laugh at us. They say, do you really believe that this happened? That your Prophet went on this creature called Buraq up to the skies? And he went from Mecca to Jerusalem? You really think that happened? People laugh today, they mock today, and they mocked even at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. They were amazed that what are you talking about? You went to Jerusalem and back in one night? How is that even possible? How is it possible? Give me the answer. How is it possible? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it happen. Allah made it happen. And who is Allah? Subhanallah. He is perfect. He can do anything. Think about it. Can you go on a weekend from Canada to Jerusalem, Friday night and return Sunday? You can technically. People do that. They just go to Jerusalem for just the weekend and they're back. How can you do that? Because you sit on a plane, direct flight, or one stopover or something, and you get there. You just go to Baytul Maqdis, or to Masjid Al-Aqsa, and you just come back right away. You can do that. You'll be exhausted, but you can do that. How is it possible for you? Because Alhamdulillah, we have airplanes today. And airplanes, they fly really, really, really fast. Well, you know what? The Buraq, it can move even faster than that. It can move even faster than a rocket. It can move even faster than an airplane. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave us the ability to make airplanes is the one who created Buraq also. So He can do anything. He can execute His will. This is why the surah begins with Subhan, the glorification of Allah. The perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi And notice the word abdihi with his servant Meaning the Prophet ﷺ was physically taken on this night journey Physically It wasn't that he was sleeping And in his dream he went on this journey No, physically bi'abdihi This was a physical journey Laylan, by night from where to where? Min al-Masjid al-Haram. From the sacred masjid. What is Masjid al-Haram? It is the Kaaba. Right? The Kaaba around that, that entire area is what? Haram. Sacred place. And it is a masjid. It is a place of sajda. It is a place of worship. So Masjid al-Haram is the masjid in Mecca. And the Prophet ﷺ, where did he live? In Mecca. 
So Allah took him from Masjid Al-Haram by night إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ الْأَقْصَى To the masjid that is Aqsa. Aqsa is from the root letters Qaf Sad Wow. And Aqsa literally means farthest, meaning that which is really, really far. Because long, long time ago, during the time of the Prophet ﷺ and even before, and for many years after, when people would go from Mecca to Jerusalem, it would take them 40 nights. How long would it take them? 40 nights. So the masjid over there, built by Sulaiman ﷺ, of course it was important. However, because it just seemed so far, do you understand what I mean? It seemed far. And this is why the Arabs, they didn't go there that much. So it was known as Masjidul Aqsa. And from that point onwards, the masjid is always called Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And where is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? In Jerusalem, in Palestine. But Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, how does Allah describe it? Alladhi, it is that which barakna. We have blessed, we have placed baraka, Hawlahu around it. Meaning not just that very masjid, but its entire surroundings, what are they? What are they? Blessed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has specially blessed that masjid and its surrounding area. Just as the haram, the Kaaba itself is sacred, but not just the Kaaba, not just the four walls of the Kaaba, but the area around it, right? The entire area is known as haram. Likewise, Masjid Al-Aqsa, not just the masjid, but the area around it is Mubarak. It is blessed. How is it Mubarak? How is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed Barakah in it? In many ways. In the worldly sense, and also by giving it religious significance. In the worldly sense, that land is amazing. It's so fertile. What grows over there, you know the difference. I mean, the fruit or the vegetables that do come from Israel, okay? And I'm sorry, I have to say Israel, even though you don't like, because that is what it is. Meaning, that's what people call it, that land today. The fruit that does come from there, you know what good quality it is of. And this is why it is sent all over the world. And this is why if it's boycotted, what happens? Right? The other day, I uh, saw some pomegranates at the grocery store. So I picked them up. And when I came home, I was you know, peeling it. And it was delicious. And I saw the sticker. And it said, Produce of Israel. I was like, Inna lillahi wa inna <laughs> But, you know, I comforted myself. Never mind. It came from a Mubarak land. Yes, I don't want to give business to them. That's a different story. However, it has come from a... Mubarak land, from a blessed land. Allah has put barakah in that land. So what grows over there, what grows in Palestine, what grows in this holy city of Jerusalem, it is really good. It is really good. Its taste, its color, its texture, everything is amazing. And the pictures that you see of Jerusalem, just imagine the population of that city. And just imagine the many times that violence has broken out in that city. But despite that, what do you see in that city? Trees. Trees that are hundreds of years old. Outside the city also, what do you see? Greenery. Because, barakna hawlahu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen that land. He has preferred it over other lands. 
بارکنا حوله and also this place is not just full of barakah in the worldly sense but also in the religious sense that this was the home of so many prophets so many prophets ibrahim alayhis salam his son who was his son one was ismail alayhis salam and where was he in makkah who was his other son ishaq alayhis salam and where was he in palestine in jerusalem all right and what happened when yusuf alayhis salam was in egypt and eventually his entire family moved to egypt the bani israil they basically started off where in egypt and firaun oppressed them and what happened musa alayhis salam came to free them and when he freed them what happened he took them through the desert back where to their home and what was their homeland jerusalem palestine but what happened they refused to fight the people who had taken over that land the amaliqa and remember that the jews said at that time oh musa you and your lord go fight we are sitting right here so then what happened that land was forbidden to them for a very long time that entire generation when it finished a new generation came about they went and fought and basically reclaimed their land then what happened years years later daud alayhis salam he became the king then his son sulaiman alayhis salam became the king sulaiman alayhis salam you know that he was no ordinary king and no ordinary prophet he had armies of not just people not just birds but even jinn and he would make the jinn work a lot and he would make the jinn construct buildings and of the structures that he made the jinn build it is said that the masjid which is known as the temple of solomon till today was built by sulaiman alayhis salam all right and that was basically the qibla of the yahud that is where they prayed and that is what they faced in their ibadah so al masjid al aqsa what masjid is this the masjid that was originally built by who sulaiman alayhis salam the temple of solomon was destroyed many many times as inshallah you will learn in a few minutes so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was taken to masjid al aqsa and sulaiman alayhis salam is the one who had built that masjid originally and after him what happened so many prophets came in palestine in the land of the jews right like for example many years later zakaria alayhis salam came yahya alayhis salam came and isa alayhis salam was also there so alladhi barakna hawlahu really this is no ordinary land If Makkah is special to us, it is important to us. Medina is important to us. Remember that this is also holy land for us. Why is it holy land for us? Because it is the land of the prophets. It is a land that Allah chose, that Allah placed barakah in. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took His messenger from Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa. Which is why al-Masjid al-Aqsa, what is it? It is the third you know sacred land for us masjid for us that we should visit and we should worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in so min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa alladhi barakna hawlahu linuriyahu what was the purpose of this night journey what was the purpose of it in order that we may show him meaning show the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam min ayatina from our signs innahu indeed he meaning allah azza wa jal huwa he is as-sami'ul basir the hearing and the seeing 
There was a purpose behind this journey. It wasn't just a trip for the purpose of vacation and that's it. No. It was a trip in order to show the Prophet ﷺ certain important realities. لِنُرِيَهُمْ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا And when the Prophet ﷺ returned and he informed the people and the people mocked him, what does Allah say? إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ Allah heard the people and Allah sees. He sees their actions. He sees what the Prophet ﷺ is doing. So, إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ Now remember that Al-Isra from Masjid Al-Haram to Masjid Al-Aqsa. And at Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, when he was taken over there on the Burak from Makkah to Jerusalem, there he was made to lead all the Prophets in Salah. And that was to signify, that was to show basically that for anyone to remain guided now, what do they have to do? Follow who? The Prophet ﷺ. Regardless of who they were following now, which Prophet they were following, now who do they have to follow? The Prophet ﷺ. Because if he's leading all the Prophets in prayer, then what about the followers of the Prophets? You understand? What about the followers of Musa a.s.? What about the followers of Isa a.s.? What about the followers of Yahya a.s.? If they want to remain guided, what do they have to do? Follow their messengers. And who did their messengers follow now? Muhammad wasallam. So this is what it signifies. And then from Bayt al-Maqdis, from al-Masjid al-Aqsa, the Prophet wasallam was taken up to the heavens, up to the Samawat, from one sky to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, all the seven skies, to a point where Jibreel said, I cannot go beyond this. You have been called, but I cannot go. And if I dare to go past this, my wings would burn. I would die. Jibreel was not allowed to go beyond that. But the Prophet ﷺ was called. And the Prophet ﷺ went, Sidratul Muntaha, as we learn. And what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted the Prophet ﷺ the gift of salah. How many prayers was he told to perform in one day? Fifty. The Prophet ﷺ, he was abd, a servant, who was really the best servant, without any question, without any hesitation, he accepted. And he went, and when he met Musa ﷺ, back on his way down, Musa ﷺ said, no way, go back and ask for a concession because your people won't be able to perform 50 prayers in one day. So the Prophet ﷺ went back many times at the encouragement of Musa ﷺ, and what happened? He returned with five. And it was announced that whoever performs these five prayers, he will be given the reward of performing 50 salawat. Hmm? Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ went on this night journey, the first part of this journey from Mecca to Jerusalem, it's known as Isra. What is Isra? Night journey, night trip. And from Jerusalem up to the skies and back to Mecca, that is called Mi'raj. And what is Mi'raj? Ascension. To go high, to go up. And remember that when the Prophet ﷺ went on Mi'raj, he did not see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He heard him, he spoke to him, however he did not see him. So, لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا And in this journey, the Prophet ﷺ was shown many, many ayat. He was shown Jannah, he was shown Nar. He was shown many amazing things. Why? What was the reason? To develop yaqeen. 
Because seeing is believing. If you've seen something yourself with your own eyes, your level of conviction is really, really high. And then you can convey with confidence. And if you haven't seen something yourself, if you have not examined it yourself, then it's difficult for you to convey. So the Prophet ﷺ, his iman, his yaqeen, had to be strong and certain. And this is the reason why, لِنُرِيَهُ min ayatina. He was taken on this trip, made to see all of these amazing ayat. And Allah says, إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ basir. So, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, a little bit about it, because generally when we see a picture of a blue masjid with a golden dome, we think that is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ went to Jerusalem, at that time, were there any Muslims in Jerusalem? No. Okay? So, the masjid over there was which one? What masjid was it? The masjid that was, like I mentioned to you, originally built by who? Sulaiman salam, The temple of Solomon. Now, this entire area that you see, this is known as the Temple Mount. Alright? And this Temple Mount is the holiest Jewish site. Okay? I mean, this is the most holiest place for the Yahud. As you can see in this picture, there is the Dome of the Rock. Okay? With the golden dome. And towards the bottom of this picture, you can see Al-Aqsa Mosque. That is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa today. All right, which was built by Muslims later on. And as you can see on the side of it, Solomon's tables. Okay? One of the walls towards the bottom is the Wailing Wall, if you've heard about it. So this entire area, the Temple Mount, which is known as Haram al-Sharif. What is it called? Haram al-Sharif. This entire area is Haram. Haram for us also. It's not just the Jewish holiest site, but for us also this is haram. It's a sacred place. And the Prophet ﷺ was taken over here. Now which exact location over here? Allahu A'lam. But many Muslims, they say that the rock, the big stone, the big rock, which is in the dome of the rock, that is where the Prophet ﷺ ascended from to for the mi'raj. Next picture please. So as you can see over here, the building with the golden dome, that is dome of the rock. Dome of the rock. Okay. And towards the bottom again, you can see Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's very, very small in, in this picture. Okay. Next picture, please. This is Masjid Al-Aqsa. A closer look. And this is how it looks like today as well. Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. This is another picture of Masjid Al-Aqsa. As you can see, the dome of this masjid is grayish blue. This is Dome of the Rock. Okay? And in this Dome of the Rock, this dome is basically, as you can see the inside of the dome, it is above a rock. And this rock, under it is some cave, which is very, very important to the Jews. However, the Muslims believe that from this rock, the Prophet ﷺ was taken up to the heavens for the Mi'raj journey. So, Subhanalladhi asra bi abdihi. لَيْلًا مِنَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ الْأَقْصَى الَّذِي بَارَكْنَا حَوْلَهُ لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ Indeed, Allah is hearing and seeing. وَآتَيْنَا مُوسَى الْكِتَابِ And we gave to Musa السلام, the scripture. I'm not going to go into the details of the journey of Isra and Mi'raj because I know that you've studied it in Sirah. Alhamdulillah. 
وَآتَيْنَا مُوسَى الْكِتَابَ And we gave to Musa the book, the scripture. Which book was given to Musa alayhi salam? The Torah. وَجَعَلْنَاهُ And we made it, meaning the Torah. هُدًا A guidance. لِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ For the children of Israel. The Torah was given to Musa alayhi salam for the guidance of who? Bani Israel. That even when the messenger is gone, the people continue to take guidance from where? From the book of Allah. From the Torah. Hudan. It was a guide. The Qur'an also is a guide. For who? Hudan linnas. It's a guide for all people. But the Torah specifically was instructions for who? The Bani Israel. And what was the main message of the Torah? The main message. أَلَّا تَتَّخِذُوا مِن دُونِي وَكِيلًا That you, meaning O Bani Israel, do not take other than me, meaning other than Allah, as a wakil, as someone to trust and rely upon. This was the message of Torah. That rely upon Allah alone. What message does the Qur'an give? Similar. Rely upon Allah alone. Meaning, worship Him alone. Believe that He is the greatest. Believe that He is the most powerful. Believe that He is the most deserving of your gratitude, of your obedience, of your servitude. Because who do you trust? Who do you trust? Someone who has power. Right? Someone who is reliable. Someone who is capable. Someone who deserves to be relied upon. That is the being whom you rely upon. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not rely upon anyone but me, what does that show? That you must believe about Allah, that He is ala kulli shayin qadir. That He is the most powerful. That He is the most deserving of your servitude, of your obedience, of your love, of your fear. That you must believe in Him and must worship Him. So, Allah تَتَّخِذُوا مِن دُونِي وَكِيلًا No matter how much a person progresses in his life, no matter how much he has things under control, and no matter how much power and resources he has at his disposal, what do we learn from this ayah? Do not lose your connection with your Lord. Trust on Him. Not on yourself, not on your plan, not on your resources, not on your power. Rather, trust on who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't forget Him. Continue to remember Him and continue to rely upon Him. Continue to seek His help. You know when we say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ What does that mean basically? Oh Allah, I worship you and I seek your help. What does that mean? I trust you. You are my source of support. I worship you. And the Prophet ﷺ was given a similar message in Makkah also. One of the first revelations that were given to him were what? رَبُّ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوْ فَاتَّخِذْهُ وَكِيلًا Surah Al-Muzzammil, Ayah 9. Surah Al-Muzzammil is one of the earliest surahs, right? What is he told? رَبُّ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ Allah is the Lord of the East and the Lord of the West. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوْ There is no God worthy of worship but Him. فَاتَّخِذْهُ وَكِيلًا Take Him as wakil. And who is wakil? Someone whom you trust upon. Someone whom you rely upon. Ibrahim a.s. What happened to him when he was thrown in the fire? By his people, by his nation. What did he say? حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ How excellent is he? 
as a wakil. Meaning he's the only one who deserves to be trusted. So we see that this message of Tawheed has been there from day one. This message was given to Adam a.s. This message was given to Ibrahim a.s. This message was given to Bani Israel. And this message was also given to the Prophet wasallam and us. The message of Tawheed. Belief in Allah alone. He is the only God. He is unique. He is the one perfect in ability. And when He is such, then that means I give all of myself to Him. I trust Him. I seek His help. This is Tawheed. That at the time of need, at the time of difficulty, you look not down towards the creation, but you look up to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawheed. This is what it means by La ilaha illallah. Now the Bani Israel, who were they essentially? The chosen people, right? What was their job? What was their job description? Follow what Allah is telling you, right? Do what you've been commanded, and also give the message to who? The rest of the people. Now, when you follow, when you believe in Tawheed, when you follow the commandments from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do you face opposition? Of course. Of course. This is sufficient of a matter to make enemies. There's this documentary, The Muslims Are Coming. Okay? It's basically a group of Muslim comedians who go through you know, several states in the United States and they basically go and have these comedy shows. I don't agree with all the comedy shows, but just the concept I'm telling you about. So this Muslim woman and a Muslim man who don't look like, you know, from their physical appearance and their dressing, they don't look like they're Muslims at all. They look like average Americans. So they go up to this lady to tell her about this comedy show so that she can also come. And when they tell her that they're Muslim, her face changes. Her face changes. And they spend so much time trying to convince her that, look, we're just because we're Muslim doesn't mean we're weird and we're horrible and we're strange. And the Muslim woman, she's like, do you relate with us as American at all? She's like, no, for me, you're Muslim, Muslim. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you dress. For me, you are Muslim, Muslim. For me, you're not American. Think about it. This woman, from her dress, from her language, from her behavior, did not look like a Muslim at all. However, she said she was a Muslim. And that was enough for that cashier lady to turn into her enemy, basically. To treat her like an outsider. So you see, when someone believes in Allah, sometimes this belief alone is sufficient to make enemies. People will hate you, not because of the way you look, not because of the way you dress up, not because of what you eat or what you study or what your profession is. They hate you simply because of your Islam. As we can see in the media these days, I mean, there are people who are out there against Islam completely. The problem they have is not just with Muslims. They have a problem with the religion of Islam. So the Yahud, they also believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They also followed the scripture. You think they had no enemies? Of course they did. One enemy after another. The fact is that this Surat al-Mustaqim is not easy. It is not easy. Earning Jannah is not easy. Getting to Jannah is not simple. It's a difficult path. 
Shaitan is after you. Shaitan is after you. And he is going to oppose you. And he is going to send people against you. So, what do you need? Who do you need? A strong source of support. And who can that be? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the fact is that we cannot do anything good except with the help of Allah. Tell me, can you wake up for Fajr on time? Can you wake up for Fajr on time even though it begins at, you know, after 6.30 these days? Can you wake up for Fajr without Allah's help? You can't. Can you fast in the month of Muharram despite knowing the importance of fasting without Allah's help and His tawfiq? You cannot. You cannot do anything good. You cannot forgive another person. You cannot survive for a long time. You cannot bear the hardships and the trials and the difficulties of this world unless and until you turn to Allah. You seek His help. You hold on to the perfect, the strongest handhold that Allah gives. Urwatul Wusqa. Otherwise, it's impossible. So the Bani Israel, what were they told? You need help? You're desperate? You're struggling? Turn to Allah. Don't turn to others. Seek His help. And you know what holds us back from seeking Allah's help, from turning to Him? It's our own sins. We're feeling guilty inside. We feel distance. How is it that you eliminate that distance between yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Through tawbah. Through inaba, going back to Allah, repentance, sorry. So Allah tattaqidu min duni wakila. Anytime you find yourself in trouble, you find yourself struggling, you find yourself in difficulty, what is it that you need to do? Don't look down towards the creation. Seek Allah's help. Allah tattaqidu min duni wakila. A very important message that was given to Bani Israel very clearly. about the uh, dua for wudu, right? Uh, and I was telling them that like the significance between like the two words, tawabin and mutatahirin, why are they mentioned, uh, mentioned together? Because through tawbah, we can become pure. Exactly. Assalamualaikum. There's an image that a lot of people have been sharing on Facebook that I thought was good to share. A lot of Muslims think it's all or nothing. Like, you either do everything that Allah has commanded you or nothing. Like if you're not doing everything, then you feel like you're not good enough to do anything. And it says in the image that that's from shaitan. Like he wants you to feel like you, that you should just give up. So even if basically the message is just do as much as you can and do tawbah, be sincere with, just exactly. keep trying basically. Because if you don't seek his help, if you don't turn to him, then what other option do you have? Turn to the creation. And the creation, what happens? You rely upon them, they deceive you. You make a treaty with them, they break it. You take their promises, you take their word, and they go against it. They you know, give you confidence and then they disappoint you. Right? So, Allah tattakhidu min duni wakila. Let's listen to the recitation. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا 
من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من آياتنا إنه هو السميع البصير وآتينا موسى الكتاب وجعلناه هدى لبني إسرائيل ألا تتخذوا من دوني وكيلا 